Welcome to Trinity United Methodist Church in Duncanville, Texas. Today we begin the season of Advent and the sermon series, Before the Messiah. What do you do when the deepest desire of your heart eludes you? What do you do when everything you hoped for comes true? Join us now for the message, Zechariah. Good morning and welcome to worship here at Trinity United Methodist Church in Duncanville, Texas. I'm Jane Grainer and I'm the senior pastor. And I'm Wesley McCall, I'm the music director. And you may have noticed that we are actually coming live from Duncanville, Texas today from our newly refurbished sanctuary. And we are very excited to be here this morning. Now, what do you do when you find that the deepest desire of your heart eludes you? What do you do when everything that you hope for comes true? Well, please stay tuned because we're going to begin our new season of Advent today, as well as our new sermon series, Before the Messiah. Let's enter into a spirit of worship and prayer with this centering psalm. From Psalm 80. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock. You who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh. Stir up your might and come to save us. Restore us, O God, let your face shine that we may be saved. Restore us, O God of hosts, let your face shine that we may be saved. You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. Turn again, O God of hosts, look down from heaven and see. Have regard for this vine, the stock that your right hand planted. But let your, be, your hand be upon the one at your right hand, the one whom you made strong for yourself. Then we will never turn back from you. Give us life and we will call on your name. And now since it's the first Sunday of Advent, we revive our long-held tradition of our Advent wreath of candles here. And hear these words from the prophet Isaiah. For darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will appear over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. We light this candle as a symbol of Christ our hope. May the light sent from God shine in the darkness to show us the way of salvation. O come, O come, Emmanuel. And now for our opening prayer. God of Advent, we gather in preparation for the good news about to be proclaimed. We gather in expectation for the joy about to break forth. We gather in celebration of the coming of the King. Help us to be people who always say yes to the manger, yes to the incarnation, yes to the wholeness of God. Even so, come quickly, Lord. Amen. And even though we cannot be together in the same space, at least not till next week, we are together in the same time. So my prayer for you is peace be with you. And also with you. Our prayer for illumination. Speak to us, Lord. Speak to us in the waiting, the watching, the hoping, the longing, the sorrow, the sighing, the rejoicing. Speak to us by your word in these Advent days and walk with us until the day of your coming. Amen. 
Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly order of Abijah. His wife was a descendant of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both of them were righteous before God, living blamelessly according to all the commandments and the regulations of the Lord. But they had no children, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were getting on in years. Once, when he was serving as priest before God and his section was on duty, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and offer incense. Now, at the time of the incense offering, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. Then there appeared to him an angel of the Lord, standing at the right hand of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified, and fear overwhelmed him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He must never drink wine or strong drink. Even before his birth, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will turn many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. With the spirit and power of Elijah, he will go before him to turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah said to the angel, how will I know that this is so? For I am an old man and my wife is getting on in years. And the angel replied, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and bring to you this good news. But now, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time, you will become mute, unable to speak, until the day these things occur. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondered at his delay in the sanctuary. When he did come out, he could not speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. He kept motioning to them, and he remained unable to speak. When his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she remained in seclusion. She said, This is what the Lord has done for me, when he looked favorably on me and took away the disgrace I have endured among my people. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Back in July, I was contacted by an adult daughter who asked me to officiate at her mother's funeral. Now, the deceased woman and her late husband had been members of my parents' Sunday school class in the church in which I grew up. In fact, the husband and my dad used to go on fishing trips together. And then back in the 90s, the mother and daughter had participated in the disciple Bible study that I led for two years at that church. And then going back even further, back in the 70s, the son and I had been part of the same clique of friends back in junior high school, and he had even dated one of my close friends for a year. Well, after the funeral, I had a chance to catch up with this old group of friends from junior high school. In fact, before I had even left the lectern after the benediction, a man came up and asked me if I remembered him. As soon as he said his name, I could see that that face underneath that thinning gray hair did indeed belong to the boy whose face had haunted me for an entire year back in eighth grade. You see, back then I had had 
a huge crush on this boy. Now, I know what you're thinking. Jane, you're gay. I didn't know you could have crushes on boys. And yes, I am gay, but it's not uncommon for people to later identify as gay, to may have had an opposite sex infatuation as a young teenager. What can I say? Sexuality and identity are very complicated. But he, he congratulated me on becoming a pastor, and I told him kind of like the one paragraph version of my journey to ordination. And then I asked him how he was doing, how his life was going. And it was not going well. Uh, divorced twice, he now lived in a small house with several of his adult stepchildren and their children, and he supported them all on the meager salary he got from being a shuttle bus driver. He mentioned a lot of drinking. I tried to remain positive by saying, well, at least he had a chance to spend a lot of time with his grandchildren, to which he nodded noncommittally. And as he walked away, all I could think of was the words to that old Garth Brooks song that came out in 1990, some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. So there may have been a time when I prayed for this hope for relationship to blossom, but God knew way better than I did what I needed now and what I needed back then. How many times, how many times have, have we found ourselves at one time or another desperately wanting something that ends up not being the best for us in the long term? There's a reason that I have Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21 embroidered on the inside of my ordination stole. Now to the one who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine. To God be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. And I always go back to that, that phrase, to the one who is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine. You see, God is able to accomplish far, far more than we can ask or imagine. Our imaginations are way too small for God, and God refuses to be bound by our limited vision. And this is true of us as individuals, but it's also true of us collectively, whether we're talking about congregations or communities or even nations. And it was very true of the people of God, as we see throughout the Bible. In fact, in the world where Jesus was born, the Jewish people had lived under the boot of the Roman occupation for quite some time. And think about it, all the people, all the people that we know from the Christmas story, Zechariah and Elizabeth, uh, Mary and Joseph, the shepherds, Jesus himself, all of them lived their entire lives in an occupied territory ruled by a foreign power who held all the cards. And they prayed for deliverance. In the imagination of many, this deliverance would manifest itself in the coming of a Messiah that would liberate the Jews militarily and politically and reestablish the kingdom of Israel. But God is able to accomplish far more than we can ask or even imagine. Zechariah and Elizabeth were both descendants of the very first priest of Israel, and that was Aaron, the brother of Moses. And each direct male descendant of Aaron throughout Israel's history was automatically a, a priest from birth. And so 1,200 years later at the time of Jesus, there were approximately 20,000 priests. 
And it was only priests who were allowed and authorized to offer sacrifices in the great temple in Jerusalem. Now, seeing as how there were 20,000 of them, and each of the 24 sections each composed several hundred priests each, then each section could only serve for one week twice a year. And even then, there was no way for every individual to be given a chance or an opportunity to serve. And so to remedy this situation, lots were cast to see who would be given the honor to serve on any given day. To cast lots, small stones or coins were tossed into enclosed space, not unlike uh, we would play dice today or maybe at a, at a roulette table. It was believed that God controlled the lots. So whoever was chosen had effectively been chosen by God. And to be chosen to serve the temple was a very high honor. And because it was chosen by Lot, there were some priests who, for their entire lives, never had even a single opportunity to serve in the temple. Now, sometimes in our minds, we may envision the temple as being like this great giant cathedral, like one of those great cathedrals that we see in Europe. But in fact, it was actually very different. The building itself, which was called the sanctuary, was actually rather small. Now, the temple itself was quite large, but most of the temple complex consisted not of buildings, but of a series of open-air courtyards. When Jesus or any of the other Jews went to worship in the temple, they would worship while standing outside in a courtyard. And there was a huge outer courtyard that was open to all people. And inside the outer courtyard was an inner courtyard that was open only to Jews. And inside that, another courtyard that was open only to Jewish males. And then another courtyard that was open only to the priests. And it was there that the priests actually uh, did their animal sacrifices. Inside the priest's courtyard was an actual indoor building, the sanctuary, and again, only accessible by priests. And it was in this sanctuary where Zechariah saw his vision. Now, Zechariah had been chosen by lot to go into the sanctuary in order to offer a sacrifice of incense. He was to go inside, offer the incense, and then come back out where he would then offer a benediction to the people. And while Zechariah was in there offering the incense, the people would remain standing outside where they would remain in prayer. Well, on that day, however, it seemed to be that something was taking Zechariah an awfully long time to simply burn some incense. And the people and the other priests were wondering what was taking him so long. When Zechariah finally emerged, he was unable to speak and he could only communicate with motions and gestures and hand signs. Though the people surmised he had seen a vision, he was unable to report what had been revealed to him inside that sanctuary. But even if Zechariah had been able to tell them what had happened, how, how, how was he ever going to be able to describe what had happened to him in that sanctuary? How was he ever going to be able to find the words to convey what it felt like to be told that his heart's greatest desire, the birth of a child, was about to be fulfilled. As Zechariah had approached the incense altar inside the sanctuary, there suddenly appeared an angel standing to the right of the incense altar. And Zechariah was terrified. But then the angel said, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you will name him John. 
The angel went on to say that his son would be a great man of God and a source of immense joy and gladness. He will lead many to repentance and will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. And he'll do this by embodying the spirit and the power of the prophet Elijah so that even before his birth, this son would be filled with the Holy Spirit. Zechariah responded with a very, what I think is a very understandable question. How will I know this is so? I'm an old man and my wife is getting on in years. Well, he gets a less than satisfying response. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring to you this good news. Well, yes, of course, you're Gabriel. That just explains everything. Well, according to Jewish tradition, Gabriel was one of seven archangels who stood in the presence of God. But I doubt that when this angel said his name was Gabriel, that Zachariah suddenly understood everything that was happening. But Gabriel went on to say, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time, you'll become mute, unable to speak until the day these things occur. Now, it's interesting that Zechariah seems to be punished for doubting the angel's message because in the very next scene in this chapter of Luke, which we will look at next week, this same Gabriel appears to the young Mary, who also questions how she'll be able to give birth since she is a virgin. And yet she is not in any way admonished for asking her question. In fact, even back in the book of Genesis, Sarah too, the wife of Abraham, was told that she was going to bear a child at the age of 90. And she laughed outright at that. And she still was, though, not scolded for her skepticism. So perhaps more faith was expected of a priest than was of a teenage girl. But it also could be that Zachariah in, in, Zachariah's enforced vow of silence was not a punishment, but a blessing. It would offer him a time of contemplation where he would be able to perhaps better hear the voice of the Lord for himself. And a time of silence may help Zechariah prepare for this son that he had so fervently prayed for. You see, a time of silence can be a very spiritually profound experience. And the story of Zechariah then has implications for our lives as well. Now, the details of our lives may be very different from his, but I think all of us know what it's like to not get something that we desperately want, something that we have prayed and prayed for for years, something like a child or a relationship or a career or a cure. And yet we see these prayers go seemingly unanswered. So our deepest hope, hopes then are personified and paralleled in this plight of an aging couple longing for children. You see, Zachariah and his wife knew about waiting. Their waiting had been long and meandering. They experienced a waiting so prolonged that hope had begun to fade. And after so many years, hope can start to seem futile and pointless. One of the most frequent phrases that we find in the Bible is, wait for the Lord. The prophet Isaiah writes, even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted, but those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And the psalmist declares, 
I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. So Zechariah and Elizabeth, they had to wait for the Lord. You see, things don't always happen on our preferred timeline. But just at the moment that the child seemed an impossibility, Gabriel arrives to tell Zechariah the good news. Good news that is good news not only for Zechariah and Elizabeth, but good news for all of us who wait for the Lord. For their son John will grow up to become the person we know as John the Baptist. For Zechariah and Elizabeth, the fulfillment of their heart's desire would come in the form that they had requested, a baby to love and to bring joy to their lives. But others who wait on the Lord, they find their, tr their prayers are indeed answered, but in ways that they never anticipated. And that was the case for the people of Israel. They had been waiting for the Lord for centuries. But the Messiah they got was not the Messiah they expected. Instead of a military king, they got a suffering servant. This expectation, however, was due to a fundamental misconception on the mission of Israel. You see, many were confused and thought that, that God had chosen Israel just for Israel's own sake. But God had made it very clear, however, that Israel was chosen in order to be a blessing. Way back in Genesis, when God first called Abraham, God said, I will make you a great nation, and I'll bless you and make your name great so that you shall be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you and those who curse you, I will... Uh, I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In fact, Isaiah had prophesied again, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tri tribes of Jacob or to restore the survivors of Israel. I will give you as a light to the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. You see, God's vision went way beyond just the blessing of Israel, for God so loved the world. The Creator came to save all of creation. Israel's calling and blessing had always been about something that was bigger than itself. It was about the redemption of the whole world. You see, God did not send us the Messiah we asked for. God sent us the Messiah that we needed. God is able to accomplish far more than all we can ask or even imagine. So if it seems if sometimes we must wait upon the Lord, if our heart's desire is not fulfilled in the time and the manner that we expect, it's because the Redeemer's vision and reach are so much greater than our own. We still see only in a mirror darkly, but the coming of Christ brings with it a light that is shining in the darkness. As St. Augustine wrote in the fourth century, what is the meaning of Zechariah's silence, if not that until the preaching of Christ, the prophecies were veiled, closed and hidden, and now with the advent of the one of whom they spoke, they are open and illumined. You see, the season of Advent is about embracing the waiting and having faith that the wait will be worth it. See, the very word Advent contains within it the promise of Christ, for it's taken from the Latin word Adventus, which means coming. So we don't have to wait much longer. The baby we've been praying for is coming. The Christ child's Adventus will soon be upon us. Like Zechariah, 
we may want to spend some time in silence contemplating the significance of God's promises. Or as Gabriel said, you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. Indeed, come Lord Jesus, amen. And so now with the confidence we have as the children of God, let us pray the prayer that our Lord taught us. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Just a reminder that you will always find a recording of our service on our Facebook page, on our website, tumcd.org, and on our church podcast, Jane's Most Excellent Church Adventure. Remember, we are coming back for in-person worship here in the sanctuary next Sunday. So if, I, I look forward to seeing so many of you. And if some of you have only been worshiping with us ever online, and you've never been here personally, please come next week. We would love to meet you in person. But if you still want to worship with us at your own home, we're still gonna be offering worship on Facebook Live just as we have been, still at 11 o'clock every Sunday morning. So whether you're here in the sanctuary or you're at home, we invite you to worship with us next week. And keep in mind these action items for this coming week. Spend some time in silence just meditating on what it means to anticipate the coming of Christ, not only for the world, but the coming of Christ into your life. And as I have been asking you for the last several weeks, keep Trinity in your prayers. The sanctuary is pretty much finished, but not completely. And there's still a lot of work to be done in the rest of the building. So continue to be praying for our church that we'll be able to bring our entire building back just as quickly as possible. And now receive this benediction. The light sent from God shines in the darkness to show us the way of salvation. Become a beacon then of Christ's light for others. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Now love your neighbor and go in peace. We hope you enjoyed and were blessed by today's service. Join us next Sunday here on Facebook Live at 11 a.m. Next week, we'll continue the season of Advent and the sermon series, Before the Messiah. You'll find that on our podcast, Jane's Most Excellent Church Adventure. God bless you in the week ahead. We'll see you Sunday at Trinity United Methodist Church.